0: Hello, and welcome to episode three of Psyche and Spirit with Relendra. I'm Relendra, and today I'd like to introduce to you um, a diagram, a model, a therapeutic model um, of mine called the Iron Triangle of Shame. And this is a model, I, I wouldn't say I really developed it, it's more like I... I channeled it during a session with a client, uh, this would have been 2018, probably, so about four years ago, and I don't really remember what the session was, what we were talking about precisely, um, I just had it up there and, uh, and then later, you know, saw it was there and was just like, yeah, you know, that was really good. I think I'm going to keep it there. I, I just had the vague sense that I was trying to diagram out how these networks of shame, these sort of like mind viruses, how they get sort of implanted in and, and create this trap in our thinking and our perception that we just can't seem to break out of and we just keep going back to shame and shame and shame and cycling and looping as so I diagrammed it out. And I was like, it's like a triangle. It's like, it's like an iron triangle. It's a really, really big one. <laughs> okay. So, uh, since then I've just kept using it because I find it's very applicable. I have so many clients who are struggling with this complex this iron triangle of shame complex and i i know i've struggled with it in my past um and it's really you know it's ultimately kind of a codependent complex and it it takes the light of awareness to, to shine onto onto these kinds of things to to dissolve it out So before I get into the diagram itself, uh, just a little bit of background. In episode one, I talked about attachment trauma and God. And in that episode, I shared about attachment trauma, abuse, um, neglect, and enmeshments. And how these will create in the child a codependent and or a narcissistic Kind of personality complex due to this fractured sense of self and this shame, this shame that's in there, this this lack of worth, this lack of a sense of worth. And just to follow up on on enmeshments because I realized I didn't really fully explain what I meant by the term in episode one, but An enmeshment is, it's not just when two people are kind of like merged, you know, that's the most obvious version of an enmeshment and they're confused about like, where are you? Where where do you end and where do I begin? That's ultimately what an enmeshment is. But I use the term broadly and, and even to describe things like neglect, right? And you may wonder how can neglect be an enmeshment? In the case of neglect, right, like here's the neglected one over here, just kind of being neglected. And then the neglector, the parent, let's say, is off in this direction doing you know having fun partying like (laughs) whatever it is they're doing um mired in their addictions and then this one's being neglected so how's that an enmeshment well well this is how and to start with i'll just kind of frame like what it would be like in a functional family system where the parents aren't in arrested development stuck in narcissistic and codependent processes captured by their addictions and their trauma, captured in dissociations, children themselves ultimately, in adult bodies having children. When that's not the case, and we've got a healthy family system, the child's going to come in as a blessing for the parents. And the parents are going to have the attitude of, I am so blessed and so grateful that you are my child. Out of every single chance and possibility in this universe, in all of creation, the one and only you has blessed me with your birth. And I'm so honored to be your parent and to help guide you into this world with all the love and support that you deserve. And I just have this wish for you to really be free and really be yourself and become as much yourself as possible in all your authenticity, to feel good about being. I want you to feel as good about being you as I feel good that you are here with me. So a child that comes into that context is not going to develop a codependent or narcissistic identity complex. They're going to feel honored and cherished, but they're also going to have a healthy, secure attachment with the parents. And rather than being caught up in some sort of narcissism where they're like spoiled or put on some sort of strange pedestal or or something like that that can create a certain kind of narcissistic complex. There's other ones that can come just through like straight up hardcore abuse. But no, through that kind of cherishing, there's no enmeshment because the child's boundaries are respected and the child is free to have their own feelings and to be who they are while the parent is who they are. And there's love between these two independent, uh, independently existing beings. But there's also an appropriate family relationship of the parents taking care of the needs of the child in a dysfunctional family system the child is in the position of taking care of the parents needs and that's the enmeshment so even in the case of neglect the child's being neglected and I don't just mean like physically neglected, like you didn't get enough food. I mean, an emotionally, psychologically neglected. The Child's like treated like you don't exist. Your needs don't matter. You don't have needs. I don't even see you. Or it could be gaslighting. It could be the child is there and is like, I like baseball. And then the parent says like, oh, you don't like baseball. You like Barbie dolls. And the child says, I, I think I like baseball. Barbie dolls are okay. And the parent's like, yeah, you really like Barbie dolls. And you don't like baseball. And here's a Barbie doll that I got you for Christmas. And the child's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I like Barbie dolls. Yeah, that's right. And then the parent's are like, "You've always liked Barbie dolls. You've always been that kind of kid. You've always loved your Barbie dolls. When you grow up, you're gonna work in a beauty parlor and do hair and nails because that's the kind of person you are." And the child says, "Oh." Well, I, I wanted to do sports. I wanted to, I want to do sports. I like sports. My parents are like, you don't like sports. I'm so glad that you don't like sports, because if I had a kid that likes sports, I'd be really sad. Um, but I'm so happy that that you like Barbie dolls and makeup and beauty. Right? So that's another form of emotional neglect, ultimately, is through gaslighting, is projecting an identity onto the child that is not accurate to the child, and getting the child to doubt their own sense of who they are, what they like, what they're all about, they no longer trust their feelings, they're looking externally to receive information about who they are. And that's the enmeshment. Right? They're neglected entirely. And the parents are just doing their own thing. And then here's this kid just sort of like sitting in the corner, banging their head against the wall, you know, like watching Pixar movies on the tablet or whatever it is that people stick in front of kids' faces today if they want to ignore them. Um, Well, that becomes an enmeshment as well, because the child is serving the function of fulfilling the parent's emotional need. And in this case, the need is for the child not to exist. The parent would feel better if the child didn't speak up, didn't have problems, wasn't to bother and just disappeared. And this kind of message can be. more damaging even than active physical abuse and in some ways can be more damaging, you know, depending on how much of this you get, than even sexual abuse, right? It's it's like you're telling the child you are nothing. You are nothing. And that brings us to Iron Triangle of Shame. So I'm going to pull this up here and let's take a look at this diagram. So the Iron Triangle of Shame is is this one here on the bottom. That's where we're going to start. So I just left off previously with this idea of like, you are nothing, right? What does it mean to be nothing? It means you have no worth. You have no worth. Now, it could be the message is you're nothing and you have no worth because you don't even exist. But you could also get the message that you're a burden, you're selfish, you put your parents out. They do so much for you. They go out and break their back at the nine to five job in order to buy you, you know, cupcakes and fruit loops and um and video games. And you're just this grasping selfish child that just takes and takes and takes and takes and takes and takes. And, takes. and it's such a burden. But they're so noble and sacrificial. They're such good martyrs that they do it for you anyway. But maybe, maybe if you were worth something, if you were a good person, right? Maybe you'd want to pay them back. Maybe you'd want to make it up to them. So here comes the shame complex. It has to do with this worth complex. And you've got to be good. You've got to be good. How am I going to be good? How am I going to get worth? Right? That's what it essentially means. Like, why do I want to be good? So I'm worth something. It's all about the formula, how to be a good person. Well, how do you know you're not a good person? Cause you feel shame. I'm ashamed. I'm bad. I'm so bad feel so ashamed. What's the remedy? Well, I've got to become good, then I won't feel ashamed. How am I going to become good? Well, I've got to do my duty. So now we get to this point in the triangle. Shame on this point, duty on this point. What's my duty? My duty is to serve others. My duty is to put other people's needs in front of my own. That's my duty. And if I do that, then I can advance to the tip of the triangle. I can become a good person. I can be worth something. But here's the catch. A good person never believes I'm a good person. That's arrogant. That's conceited. That's shameful. You think you're good? You think you're better than someone else? You don't think that you could have done more? What about all those starving kids in the other countries? What have you done? You didn't save their life yet. I saw you, you were playing your video game for a couple hours, just sitting on the rug like a useless piece of garbage. You think you're good? So, you never think you're good. The second you think you're good, you're going to feel ashamed that you thought you were good. Right? And that's a good thing. It's a good thing to feel ashamed. Why? Because it takes you back down here to this point of the triangle, where you you got your shame, and your shame is fuel. It's your your high-octane fuel that's going to power your vehicle. You need shame in order to be good. If you didn't have shame, you would never do your duty. Why wouldn't you do your duty? Because you're fundamentally a selfish, greedy person. That's who you are. And we've got like a whole ideology that basically says that's what people are. We are selfish, greedy, pleasure monsters who are just in it for ourselves. And we would never do anything good if we weren't going to get something out of it, or if we weren't motivated by shame, by trying to escape shame. So, a good person's got plenty of shame, an endless supply of shame, so they can keep doing their duty, they can keep sacrificing for others, they can keep attuning to the needs of others, putting their own needs aside, and then leaning in the direction of worth. But you know, you can get up here and then you you get back down to shame. So you're gonna just sort of stay in this cycle like this. Um, and I'm recognizing I've got this pointer here. So yeah, here's the shame, the duty, the worth, right? So you're kind of be in this cycle where you keep trying to get up to worth and you keep getting sent down to shame again. And it goes on like this. Now, how do you get out of this trap? This is an iron triangle. You can't break just one of the links. Remember, you're up here at Worth trying to say like, well, I'm good. What does that do? Activates the shame. Only conceited, arrogant people think that they're good. Let's get some healthy shame back into you. You can't cut out the shame. Suppose you tried to just cut out the shame. I'm just not going to feel shame. Well, when you're going to do your duty, when you're not feeling the shame, well, you're going to get shamed if you don't do your duty. That shame will find a way back. It's it's there. It's been encoded into your body as trauma from the enmeshment woundings and the emotional neglect and the abuse. You can't break, you can't just dismantle this thing. You got to shatter the whole thing you need a new paradigm. And that's what brings us up here to this part of the triangle, which is on the inverse. There's like sort of, um, imagine sort of like this dimensional portal here that separates the two triangles. Up here we have the living triangle of love versus the iron triangle of shame. And in this sort of negative world, you're living in the negative world of the iron shame triangle. This line here, this invisible line is, um, it's the ceiling. Having worth being worth something is this unapproachable ceiling that you can really never get to. But flip to the light world, to the world of love we are in the living triangle of love. That same line is the floor. It's the foundation. Your self-worth is the basis of your being. It's the foundation you can never go below. You can never not be worth something. You're always implicitly worth anything and everything that ever existed. You're worth the whole world itself. Not because you did something to be worth it, because that's what you are. It's the truth of who you are. From that paradigm, you're already worth something. Everything that happens, happens from a place of already being worth everything. So what are you gonna do? How are you gonna make Choices. What are you going to do with your life? When you know that you're worth everything in this world, you're going to feel good. You're not going to feel ashamed. You're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to be happy and grateful to be alive. And you're going to want to share that good feeling with others. Naturally, not out of a sense of duty out of just a sense of of love. So instead of shame being the fuel for your actions up here, love is the fuel for your actions. You're feeling gratitude. You want to pay the gift back. You want other people to feel the love that you feel. Because then you'd feel even better. Feels so much better just seeing anybody else who's cared for, who loves themselves. And so your actions come in the form of gifts, not duty. You're not required to do things for other people in order to make up for the burden that you are in the world, in order to make up for the fact that you're not good. No. The things you do for others come from a place of abundance and gift. Your cups running over this living triangle of love here, you know, imagine that it's a, it's a cup, right? And you fill this cup up with this beautiful ambrosia here. And then it just pours over the edge and you have this abundance. You're like, I don't need to feel any better. Because I've been treated well, I've been honored, I've been cherished, I've been given support, I've been cared for, and I've just got this love that's pouring over and I want to share it. So it just pours over. That's the living triangle of love. That's the model to replace this iron triangle of shame love. and and it's not that simple right you can't just get this knowledge of what the model is and then have that change the trauma that's in your body and the way you feel so what you got to do is you got to be building the new model you've got to be building the narrative Create a little space for the part of you that knows this is the truth, that knows somehow deep down, yeah, of course I'm worth something. I think of other people, I think they're worth something. Why would I be different? can't think of an answer why I shouldn't be different. Can't think of, like, why I wouldn't be worth something, but that tree over there is. Of course I'm worth something. Of course I'm worth everything. So from that place, you can start building this model, this replacement model. And then we're going to, like, slowly be trying to dissolve out and shrink down the presence of this shame triangle model in one's life. you got to realize, you'll start to realize, this shame model, this is just not just for traumatized children. This is something we all have been conditioned into. This model of the Iron Triangle of Shame, that's how you build a slave society. That's how you enslave somebody you got to do it psychologically. Well, you, you want to be able to do it physically. If you're a psychopath that wants to enslave others, sure. If you can get a society that's set up for you to be able to do it physically, then you do it. But what if you want to try to enslave somebody who legally has freedom? Well, you're going to have to do it psychologically. You're going to have to have a media system, um, a propaganda network. Maybe there's a handy religious system that you can activate. It's going to put this shame into people. You're going to activate people's shame in their sexuality. The most core vulnerable part of ourselves, of our life force, of our essence. You can get people in a place of shame around that. So you're gonna beat people down into this shame position. You're going to um, create celebrities and glorify them, put them in the lights, get them looking as beautiful as possible with dancers all around them, just like treating them like gods. And then you're going to bombard targets with images of those celebrities and the message is going to be clear here's somebody who's worth something do you have lights on you do you have dancers all around you singing your praises are you rich no because you're not worth anything but here's somebody who is how dare you think you're worth something you're trying to take away from all the hard work and dedication that this celebrity has invested in their success and you think that you should be treated like you're something so these are the implicit messages that we get not just the advertising messages themselves, the implicit messages behind the message. What is it telling you about yourself? It's telling you that you're nothing. And the only way to really be something is to be like a fan, you know? You're gonna be a fan of one of these celebrities. And so you're going to just kind of like sort of exist as sort of an addendum to their worth, to their reality. So that's part of it. What's the other thing you're going to do? You're going to put these kids through school systems. You're going to put them through an indoctrination system in outwardly directed motivation. So what do I mean by that? I mean When you go to school, your inherent desire to learn and to create is not what guides the process. In fact, that inherent quality of your humanity is deliberately stifled. What you learn is like, how can you sit in a chair that's assigned to you like a robot? for time intervals that are predetermined. How can you stand in line quietly and wait your turn as you march through the hallway to the cafeteria to receive your meal ration? How can you respond to a bell that rings that tells you now it's time for recess? It's like being in prison. You get and then you get like to go out on the grounds for a little bit. Why do they let you do that? Well, just because they know they got that you got to get the energy out somewhere so that they can keep conditioning you the rest of the day. How can you raise your hand if you want to even use the bathroom and get permission? If you don't get permission. you're just going to have to hold it. You're going to have to suffer through the pain of needing to urinate or defecate because your needs don't matter. So these are the primary lessons that we learn in school. How to obey how to mold ourselves to the designs of a machine, to the rhythms of a machine. The other thing that we learn is how to be motivated, not by our own desires and our own callings and passions and um, gifts. Instead, we're going to be motivated by an external system of reward and punishment. So up here on the top is going to be the people that hold the power. That's society, the corporations, the government, the institutions. They hold all the wealth and the power and the opportunities. And they sit on it like a dragon on a pile of gold. And if you want any gold, and you're going to need gold, because you're not going to be allowed to eat if you don't get some, that's how little your needs matter. You are not allowed to eat or have a home. Unless you can pay for it. You've got to earn the right to be alive. And who do you get to earn that right from? From the dragon. From the dragon on the pile of gold. Who's got jobs. And they're going to be sitting there thinking like. You. Think you have the right to exist? You think that you have the right to have the privilege of selling your life to me for 40 hours a week for some scraps of money so that you can pay for rent and food and like some mind-numbing entertainment and some drugs. You think you deserve. That? You who are nothing? Well, you're gonna have to prove it to me. Let's see your resume, let's see your references. You're gonna, let's do an interview. You know, there's 40 people lining up for the opportunity to sling coffee at Starbucks right now. And you think that you should be allowed to sell your time and your body to Starbucks Corporation? Wow. How'd you get so (laughs) arrogant? Right? So this is the message that we get. But maybe you actually want to have a nice job where you actually get paid a living wage or even get paid enough to save money. Maybe you can even have your own house. Well, you're going to have to get a really good job for that. How are you going to get that? Well, you go to school and you get A's. That's how you do it. You got to keep getting A's. You got to get into the right schools. How do you get the A? You've got to attune yourself to the authority and determine what does the authority want from me. They want me to write an essay. What do they want me to write in the essay? I'll write anything. They want me to do this multiple choice exam. I just gotta get those bubbles. I gotta get them bubbles. I gotta memorize. They want me to memorize facts and memorize them. I'm not gonna memorize things I'm interested in to help me understand the world. The only reason I'm doing this is to get the A. And if I am motivated by getting this A that is bestowed upon me by the authority, then later the authority will reward me with a better job and a higher wage and more social status. And that's how I'm going to navigate life. And so you can see how this plays right in, right in here to the social, uh, the Iron Triangle of Shame. You're going to be continually in a place of shame, trying to do your duty for the system to become worth something. And the system is going to distribute to you the bounty that you rely upon for your life. And you're never gonna be in a place of abundance where you're overflowing with love and gift, bringing your medicine, your healing medicine to others. That's never gonna happen to you. Not in that system. In that system, you've internalized the sense of like, I'm a slave, my needs don't matter. The needs of the system matter. I need to serve the system. And it's just like any narcissistic, codependent relationship. You, the worker bee, the slave of the economic social system, are the codependent with no sense of self-worth, terror of being abandoned, terror of being rejected, terror of being alone. And then you find you're a narcissist. You're like, all I know how to do, all I know how to do is to to find find out what other people want and give it to them. So So what's what's the best? best person defined find is is a narcissist. They're, they're all about like, like, what, they what they want. want. They're, and they're looking for someone just like you to give it to them. It to them. And, and on this, this macro, macro level, that narcissist is the state. Is the it's the, the corporation. corporation it's, it's, the it's the billionaire. It's the institution.
1: institution. You attune you yourself
0: to what, what that thing, thing needs. needs. And then you work your, your tail off provided. So that's, that's in, in a nutshell of uh, the, the Iron, Iron Triangle, Triangle Shame, Shame model and, and it starts everything starts, everything starts with, with awareness. awareness start with, with awareness and say oh oh I see how this, this process, process has been, been alive, alive in my life. life. Then you start, start building, building the alternative model, the living triangle path. of love, where you're already worth anything and everything that ever could be, anymore. and more. And then, then you do your trauma, trauma work and start confronting the, the trauma, trauma system that keeps that, that shame and those shame narratives encoded in your psyche. But that is the subject, subject
1: of, of, well, well not, not just, just one,
0: one other episode, episode, but several episodes to discuss that, discuss that process. process. Well, we'll I'll leave, leave it here for now. For now. Thanks, Thanks for being with me. me. I'm Rylindra, and, and I'm signing out.